Well, we kicked off last week a new sermon series on the book of Proverbs called God's Wisdom for LA Life. God's Wisdom for LA Life. And this week, we're talking about God's Wisdom for Friendships. For Friendships. It was Aquinas who said, there is nothing on this earth to be more prized than true friendship. We long, don't we, for deep friendships. The problem is we're living in what is commonly called a friendship crisis. We face huge challenges for friendships in our lives. You think of our society where divorce rates are high and singleness is high and people, more people are living by themselves than ever before. We're so busy with workload and our career progression and then family and kids, friendships get squeezed out. Social media is taking off, obviously, and is, is everything about communication nowadays, and yet that texting of friends and Snapchatting and everything else that we do with our friends doesn't seem to build the deep friendships that we long for. And of course, there are unique challenges in our amazing city of Los Angeles. We're so geographically dispersed that it's hard to meet up because traffic is so bad and it's, it's just so hard to meet if someone lives a, a quite a far distance away. And then so many people are freelancers or work from home that there's no kind of office space where you just be every day together to build and start to, be, start to begin to build friendships. Then, of course, people come here to make it. They come to LA to kind of in their chosen profession to really be successful. And so often friendships are squeezed out in preference for some kind of networking relationship. That seems to be what people want because they're here to, to make it in their profession, in their vision of what they want for their lives and friendships get squeezed out. And of course, transience. We are living in a highly mobile society and people come to LA and leave. The average stay here is about two years. And Lizzie and I have been here for 10 years now and we're, we're actually on like a third, fourth set of friends sometimes. We're saying goodbye and we love our friends and they've moved away, but it's hard to restart and build new friendships. Jacqueline Olds, who is a professor at Harvard Medical School said this, Americans are more isolated and lonelier than ever before. Despite having seemingly endless ways to stay in touch through communication, technology, and social media, most of us don't know our neighbors. We frequently change jobs and move. We often leaving extended family and friends hundreds of miles behind. We feel guilty just talking on the phone with a friend when we could be working. Ours is a very transient, fast-moving culture where it's easy to become socially disconnected. But it doesn't have to be this way. God has created you for deep friendships. And in the book of Proverbs, he gives us the wisdom, his wisdom, for how to cultivate and enjoy and thrive in deep friendships in your life. We're going to look at four things this morning as we look at the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at number one, the need for friendships. Secondly, finding friendships. Thirdly, cultivating friendships. And then finally, the power for friendship. Firstly, the need for friendships. We need friends. We were created for friends. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. God created you and me to have friends to see our lives 
thrive. Friendships are not optional. No matter how busy you are, no matter how hectic your life is, even no matter how much maybe you've been hurt by friends in the past, you can't close off your life for friendship because we are wired to thrive with friendships. God gives us a variety of different relationships, right? We have family, we have parents, siblings, we have a spouse, we have maybe some children, colleagues, neighbors. But in this verse in Proverbs 18, it says actually, but there's a uniqueness around friendship that is even closer than a brother. You are called and created for friendship. Proverbs tells us friends are there to journey through life with you. It says this in Chapter 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. See, there is something unique about friendship, even versus all the other relationships. It says friendships stick. Literally, the word in Hebrew there is to cleave, that friendships are not about romantic love or about kind of uh, colleagues and then working together love. There's, There's something about cleaving together, choosing one another to journey in life together through thick and thin. Proverbs tell us that friendships are how you grow into the person God made you to be. In Proverbs 22, it says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. And the Proverbs go on to talk about it's your community, it's your friendships that form you. I know we like to think, don't we, that I choose who I am to be, but of course we know that's not fully right, is it? We're so formed by our family when we're at home, and then when we leave home, we are formed by our friendships. For better or for worse, we grow with our friends. And of course, friendships bring out the best in you. They bring out fully you. You can't express your fullness without friends in your life. This struck home when I was reading C.S. Lewis a long time ago, and he was commenting on him. He was processing the death of his friend, a man called Charles. And he wrote this. He said, In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. Now my friend Charles is dead. I shall never again see Tolkien's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald Tolkien. You see, C.S. Lewis is drawing out the truth that we need a community of friends around us to draw out the fullness of who we are. I know this very well because uh, I got a great friend in England who I went to law school with, went to university with, I went up to London together and both started our careers in the law together and his name is Andrew. And uh, though we are now thousands and thousands of miles away, every time I go to England, I visit Andrew. And it's, it's absolutely stunning what happens when we kind of get together because his wife says, Andrew, you know, he's a partner in a law firm. He's sensible. He's got these amazing kids. And, you know, he's quite stiff up a lip at times. Uh, and he, you know, 
He bicycles to work with his briefcase, and he's very British and very straight-laced. And he says, something strange happens, Gare, when you walk through the door. It's like you both go back to being naughty little schoolboys in the playground, and you're horrendous. You're so annoying, because all you do is start to bring out the naughtiness in each other. You bring out this fun this fun that Andrew doesn't have unless you're around and vice versa and we end up playing pranks on each other and often I think his wife wants to kick me out the house Uh, but I adore them as a family and and I hope they adore me but there's something that happens when I meet with Andrew that brings out this something in me that only Andrew brings out see we're created to be the fullness of who we are with friends in our lives so how do we get friends like this How do we live a life where so often we just don't have friends, we have acquaintances, or the friends we have, they're not that these types of friends, they're just kind of superficial. I read a devastating quote by a professor of English at Yale University about friendship in today's digital age, and he wrote this, friendship is devolving from a relationship to a feeling, from something people share to something Each of us hugs privately to ourselves in the loneliness of our electronic caves, rearranging the tokens of connection like a lonely child playing with dolls. Oh, devastating, but isn't that so true? We've got our iPads and our iPhones, we've got our social media apps, and we think we're connecting and growing friendships, but we're still alone. And it's a far substitute of the friendships that God wants for us. So secondly, how do we find these friends? Where do I start? Well, Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The author is saying here, look, you can have many companions and many friends and you can have a brother, but there's something unique and rare about a friend. That f- these types of friends aren't common. You can have many other acquaintances, many other colleagues, many other neighbours, and you can have a big family, but a friend is unique. They're rare. And he goes on to tell us why they're rare. In verse 27, it, verse 9, it says this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness or in the Hebrew, sweetness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. See, commentators draw out that this word for sweetness is a particular word. It's something that we would say is like sugar nowadays, something that you find that is sweet. But they comment that in the days when this was written, sweetness was discovered. You couldn't just add sugar to something. They didn't have sugar. You couldn't take something that was bland and add sugar to it to make it sweet. No, you had to find sweet things. And there's only a very few things that are sweet. You would discover it. You'd taste it and go, oh, my word. Sweetness is discovered. And the author of Proverbs is saying, just as sweetness is discovered, so friendships are discovered. They're not common and you find them. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. Friendship is born at that moment. When one man says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. You see, 
this great analogy C.S. Lewis brings out of friendships are formed shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. See, romantic love, Eros in his book, The Four Loves, is, is, is formed and is cultivated face to face. You know, when I first fell in love with my wife, I just gaze into her beautiful eyes and that romance was there. And, and it was just, you were content with just being together. That's romance. That's romantic love. But C.S. Lewis says friendships aren't formed that way. Obviously, your spouse is your friend, but non-romantic friendships are not gazing at each other. But they're discovered when you're side to side, when you're shoulder to shoulder, looking at something else. And as you're looking at something else, you look to your side and go, what? You too. You like that. And you journey together as not you're looking face to face, but side to side, traveling through life together, focusing on your common goals your common passions. This is one of the best quotes of Lewis, I think. He says this, this is why people who simply want friends can never make any. See, the very condition for having friends is that you would want something else besides friends. If someone asks you, do you see the same truth? And your honest answer is, I really don't care about that. I just want to be your friend then no friendship can arise. There'd be nothing for the friendship to be about. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. See, friendship is about a fellow traveler heading the same direction as you and getting excited about the destination together and talking about the journey and talking about how to travel together. Friendships are formed as you focus, not on the other person, but together focus on the same thing. That's why when you are longing for friends, don't start with friendship, but start with what God has called you to do in life. On your purpose in life, on your, your dreams that he's given you, on his passions that he's created you to have, on the gifts that you want to grow and cultivate. Spend time when you're thinking about, Lord, I just want more friends in my life. I want a friend in my life. I've been there. I've moved around the world so much. All of our family are born in different countries. We've moved so much and we have to make friends. And what I found is the prayer is, Lord, I need a friend. Starts with, Lord, okay, point me in the direction of what you want me to do. Let me outwork my calling. And then as I'm doing that, I will find people who have that same thing with me and we'll pursue that together. Who are you is the beginning of friendship. Who are you and what's God called you to be and to do is the beginning of friendship. Because as you pursue that, you will find that God brings people alongside you to pursue it together. I remember a great friend of mine here in LA. We were just pursuing Jesus together, in small groups together, doing Alpha, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden we realized we were pursuing these things. Not only did that thing get us excited, but... One day we discovered, I said, uh, I was telling a story about my history and going to these big Christian camps called uh, the Dales Bible Week in England. And he went, what? You were at Dales Bible Week? I was at Dales Bible Week too. And we were talking about how we must have just brushed each other, not known it. And then I started to talk about, oh man, you know, I'm pretty... Uh, my kids call me a nerd a bit and uh, I'm a bit nerdy about these things. I'm a bit nerdy about Formula One. He went, no way, you're nerdy about Formula One, so am I. And he's actually a bigger nerd than I am about Formula One. And, but as we were going through life together, we saw this connection happening, not because we looked to each other and went, I want a friend, 
But God brings friends to us as we journey in life together, as we pursue the call of God on our lives together. Some of the best friends I've ever made and still have are made when we are focused on Christ together. Every time, uh, not every time, every two weeks, I get on a Zoom call with six friends that I met at seminary. We did not know each other until our early 30s. And they're from all over the world and we're very, very different. But we all gathered in Vancouver for three years to look at Christ together, to grow in Christ together, to talk about what it means to serve Christ together, to go on mission together. And over the COVID time, it was quite lonely, isn't it? And I thought, man, I want to regather with friends. And so every two weeks now, I say, come on, let's get together and get on Zoom. And we're on Zoom and we realize we're all in different countries, all different nationalities. We're all slightly different. And yet we're all great friends because Christ has forged us together as we pursue Christ together. See, in Proverbs 22.2, it says, The rich and poor have this in common. See, many people say, hang on a minute, yeah, are you saying that we should only hang out with people like us? That friendship is really just about being in a little bubble of people just like you. Well, yes and no. Yes, in the sense of there are friendships that God gives us, which are different to acquaintances, and you have something in common. But see, the gospel says it's not that you're all of the same ethnicity, the same culture, the same socioeconomic economic class, the same neighborhood. Actually, the gospel breaks us out of cultural stereotypes and cultural bubbles and says, actually, as Proverbs 22 says, the rich and poor have this in common, the Lord is maker of them all. And in Christ, we go, what? You're a sinner saved by grace too? What? You love Jesus too? What? You struggle with your prayer life too? What? You've got a calling to preach the gospel to that town or country too. And all of a sudden you start to come together. You focus on Christ, what would never have brought you together otherwise. And friendships are cultivated because you're gathering around Jesus. When I was 16, we moved from a church in the north of England to the Midlands. I've told this story before. I was not doing well in my faith. It was all about being cool at 16. It was all about wearing kind of uh, electric blue trousers and white shirts with piano leather key ties and looking like Duran Duran on the boat of the Rio video. You know, and that's what it was like. And I wanted friends like that. I didn't want to hang out with the uncool kids. And so anyway, I went to this new church. We moved down south to the Midlands of England, went to a new church, and I walked in, I got to know them all, and I thought, oh my word, these guys are a bunch of losers. They're so uncool. I'll never be friends with these people. I mean, look at them. You know, I literally walked in with a, a, a waterproof yellow Walkman cassette player playing a mixtape of people like In Excess, Cutting Crew, Dire Straits. It was amazing mixtape, right? They had their own mixtape of Maranatha worship music and Hosanna tapes. And I thought, what on earth are they doing? So uncool. I'll never be friends with these people. A few months later, because we looked at Christ together, because I got swept up, not in their music, not in their lack of fashion, not in their cheesy jokes, whatever it was I was initially turned off at, we both had one thing in common, and I got swept up in it more and more. We wanted to pursue Christ more than anything in our lives. 
And all of a sudden, I found these friends that stuck together because we went out on mission together. We went out on praying for the sick on the streets together. We went out and we were going to schools to tell people about Jesus together. We would lead the evangelism in our church. We said, let's do it together. Let's let the youth take it. We'll do it. And friends like Richard or Wes or Gary or Sally and all these people, we became great friends not because we had the same passion for Duran Duran, although that's a good passion, but we love Jesus. That is how we come together in friendship. Okay, so how do we cultivate this friendship. Because finding friendship is one thing. The Proverbs go on and say, it doesn't just stop there. You have to actually grow it and cultivate it. You've got to water that seed that God has given you of that friendship. And in Proverbs, we have four keys. I'm going to run through them very briefly of how you cultivate friendship. And let's look at how we can do that in our city of LA. The first is this constancy constancy. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. See, siblings, I love to say, I've got a great family and many of you got great families and you tell me, you know, we're always there for each other. But sometimes you've got friends who are there all the time for you. Good times, bad times. It's, this proverb doesn't mean a friend loves at all times that your friend is like always there, you know. Go away, girl. This is a bit creepy. It's not all, that's not what it means. It means that all times in your life, good times, bad times, exciting times, sad times, when you're in joy or grief, at all times a friend is there. Obviously, sometimes siblings can be friends and that overlaps, but sometimes it's not. And a friend is there whenever you need him or her. A friend is there. I remember doing some really stupid stuff in my 20s. Anybody done some stupid stuff in their 20s? <laughs> you know, and you suffer the consequences of it, right? And I'd hurt many people, and lots of people kind of turned and rejected me because, I, yeah, I did some stupid stuff. And, but I remember thinking, man, you know who your friends are when you've done stupid stuff. Because your friends are there at all times. Not to affirm what you've done but because they've, they stick to you, they cleave to you and say, we're not going to let this be the last chapter in your life. And I remember in the loneliness of thinking, oh, I've messed up, no one's going to want to be with me and reject me. Two friends, I've already mentioned them, Andrew and Wes, they stuck with me. They were friends at all times. Constancy, to be there for each other. You can't build a friendship if you're not spending time with each other. And in LA, that's really difficult and you've got to be intentional about it. Proximity, you've got to be intentional about proximity in Los Angeles. You can meet someone and think, wow, this is a seed of a great friendship. We go, wow, you too, this is amazing. And then suddenly you realize you live in Marina del Rey, they live in Glendale, and you might as well say, well, yeah, I'll see you in heaven. Right? Because it's just the traffic is so bad. And so I know people who have literally gone, I'm going to move closer to my friends because friendships are that important. I was talking to someone today. He said, I love our new apartment. Why? Well, it's a, bit, it's a bit cheaper than the last one. It's a bit bigger than the last one. 
but they are just around the corner and my other friends are just around the corner. And because they realize we have to be proximate in LA to spend time with one another. Do you value your friendships enough to make your accommodation choices around them? Secondly, regularity. It means being intentional, not letting the busyness of the time crowd out time with friends. It's going, you know what? We are going to do this every week. We are going to go jogging every week, if that's your thing. That's not my thing. The Lord be with you. You know, but whatever it is, you know, I'm going to do this. We're going to do this. What is the thing we have in common? We're going to keep doing that together. We're going to pursue that together on a regular basis. And I'm not going to let the business of LA, I'm not going to let season three of this great Netflix season get in the way of our friendship. We're going to do it. Constancy together is how you build friendship. Secondly, candor. Candor. A friend is someone who tells the truth, both to encourage you and sometimes to keep you up the backside. Proverbs 27.9 says this, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Don't you want that sweetness of a friend who encourages you? But also Proverbs 27 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend versus an enemy. See, a friend loves you so much, they will be so honest with you if they see you starting to head in the wrong direction. A true friend will even risk losing friendship if it means saving you from disaster. And a true friend will pick you up, not to affirm in some kind of superficial, you're amazing kind of way, but they will speak God's truth into your life. Not to butter you up, but to build you up. I remember a friend of mine was going through such a tough time in his ministry about five years ago. And I could see, he lived in a different country, and I could see, man, he needed encouragement from friends. He was getting beaten up. And, he, and I got on the phone with him and I just said, mate, just stop for a minute because I want to speak as a friend into your life. This is who you are in God. This is what God is doing. This is where your gifts are. This is where your anointing is. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I was also to say, but man, I, I agree. This is a weakness in your life. But that's okay. That weakness does not determine your future. We don't have to ignore that. But that's what a friend is for. It says in 18.24, it says, A man of many companions come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I wonder why a man of many companions comes to ruin. Maybe it's because if you've got many companions and no friends, those companions don't really intervene if they see you going towards ruin. It takes a friend to intervene. And I've seen many people destroy their lives. And people say, wow, self-destruction. But I wonder sometimes, is it they didn't have friends to identify the blind spots that we can't see? I mean, I have blind spots like you, right? And actually, is it not a gift and a necessity that we have friends to point out the blind spots? I had a great friend who said to me when I needed to change career, I didn't think I needed to, but he catalyzed it when he said, Gare, I'm your friend. I just want to say, man, you're a good lawyer, but you're not a great one. 
God's got something far... Your skills are not utilised in this profession. I've had that. that was a wound, but it was a beautiful one from a friend who then was with me and helped me actually find a career that I loved and was more me. Thirdly, curiosity. We're coming into land now. Curiosity, very briefly. Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their opinions. Friendships are cultivated by curiosity of each other. Not seeing a friend as a therapist that you can dump on. You know, have you ever been what Brian Regan says at a dinner party and there's a me monster at the table who just talks about me? Or what Bette Midler said in Beaches, enough about me, what do you think about me? That's not a friendship. A friendship is mutual curiosity. More, more wanting to know what's inside there than getting what's inside here out. And then finally, closeness. Proverbs 27, 9, the pleasantness of one's friend springs from earnest counsel. The word counsel there is secret. That the pleasantness of a friendship comes from when you open up to the secrets in your life. You're transparent, you're vulnerable. You are your true self. You're not hiding anything. The vulnerability binds you together. So how do we do this? I don't know about you, but reading about this profile of a friend, it's crushing and overwhelming because we can't do it in our own strength. How do we be this curious, close, constant, candor? I can't do that in my own strength, and you're right, you can't. I can't either. The answer is, of course, Jesus. He gives us the power to be friends. In John 15, 15, it says, No longer do I call you servants, Jesus says, but I call you friends. Now love one another as I have loved you. So he's saying, look, as I have loved you as friends, love one another. The basis of your friendship to other people is that you are filled with the friendship of Jesus. See, you can be transparent with your friends when before Jesus you're not ashamed of who you are because he loves you by grace. You can be constant because he's constant with you. You can be candid and risk losing friendship because you know what? Jesus is in charge of your life and he'll restore and he's with you as you are candid with your friends. And on and on it goes. The basic foundation of all friendships is our friendship with Jesus. And so I want to challenge you this morning to examine how am I doing my friendship with him? And as we come to worship him now, it's time just to fall on your knees and go, you know what? My friendship journey begins with deepening my friendship with him. The sweet friendship of Jesus. Let's pray together.